Welcome to More Business, More Life podcast. I'm your host, Steve Napoliton. This show is for C-level executives, entrepreneurs, coaches, consultants, and speakers who have found success, but they don't have the life that they want. On this weekly show, we're going to be talking about business skills to have more business while we design our ideal life and have more life. More business, more life without sacrifice. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the More Business, More Live podcast. And today we have Maddie A, as he's known online. And he uh, is going to tell the story how he went from, you know, getting in trouble a little bit in his younger age, but, you know, even getting arrested, but then to pull out of that, find the right mentors and explode at a very young age. He's still in his early 30s and he has far out past many people as far as business skills, investing, many real estate investments, even owns a hotel now and being able to have a family. He's got two daughters and we're going to talk about more business and more life right now. Matt, or I know I always call you Matt, but uh, you're known on the internet as Matty A, the infamous Matty A. How, uh, welcome to the show, brother. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. Always fun hanging with you, Steve. I appreciate it. I mean, you know, so as you know, my show is all more business, more life. And, and you know, you've been, you know, from a young age, like really you know, making that happen. But I think, uh, you know, maybe we can even talk about some of the times maybe you felt like you didn't have that. And we can look at a little bit of the contrast, but, you know, right now you put your focus on your dreams and you've built a real estate career and investment career. And now you, you know, you're raising a young family, you've got your two kids and, you know, so maybe just tell about how, um, you know, just a couple of the highlights of how you're living that more business, you're creating abundance for you and your family while still living at the same time. Yeah. I mean, for me, early on in my journey, really, it was all money motivation and just trying to, you know, get my business off the ground. And it's a lot easier to diversify and start thinking about more outside of finances when you actually have some stability in that, you know, in that space. So for me, you know, I got into real estate right out of college and I uh, was fortunate to have some really great mentors. My first year, I really kind of mentored and, and worked with somebody for free for about 10 months. Um, they were teaching me how to invest in real estate. This was back in 2010 when they were really, you know, plentiful in terms of opportunity that was out there. But I really got kind of that, that school of hard knocks type of education where I was just in the trenches, rolling my sleeves up and learning and growing. And then, you know, I started to have some good momentum and success, I guess, built on the investing side uh, early on in my career. I would say part of that was just timing and being in the game. And that's part of, I think, you know, um, getting rewarded in terms of life or investing or relationships is, you know, you, you got to be in the game, right? You can't just be a spectator. It's the players. It's the people that are stepping up to the plate and taking a crack at it that are ultimately giving themselves a chance to get on base, put runs up on the scoreboard and win. So for me, uh, it was a lot of feeling forward early on in my journey, but I was able to be surrounded by a lot of people that were just way either one further down the path of me or just smarter, more experienced, more wise than I was. And, you know, I've always known I was never the fastest, smartest or strongest person, but I was really good at surrounding myself with the people who were and taking the best of them and applying it to the worst of me and finding ways to close gaps or you know, find strategic partnerships or relationships that could help accelerate the goals that I was looking to achieve or the things that I wanted to, you know, have in my life. And that led me to meeting a lot of other individuals through mastermind groups and at different 
conferences and events. I think that's how you and I actually ended up connecting. And, um, and that really taught me that it was, uh, as I started getting around more and more people who were not only living like millionaires in their business um, and financially, but we're also living like millionaires with their wives and with their kids and with their health and with their community and how they were giving back. And, you know, I think we all know those people that are very well off, but they're bankrupt in their health. They're bankrupt in their marriages. They kids barely get any time with them and they say they're doing it for them. But really, ultimately, uh, those are the people that get sacrificed in pursuit what they say they're doing it for. And so for me, I knew really early on that as I started my own young family, I had my first daughter at 26. Um, and then we had our uh, our second daughter, Evelyn. And, and for me, I knew that, um, yes, I'm still money motivated and I still want to achieve big goals and big dreams. Um, but I never want to get to the end of my road and kind of look back on my deathbed in the rearview mirror and say, oh, it was great that I made an extra five or 10 or $20 million, but I missed out on those experiences that really matter the most. So for me, it's really been this overall approach to building my own life and my own definition of wealth being that it's different for everybody, right? You know, my definition of wealth is probably different than your definition of wealth, different from the next listener's definition of wealth. And that's totally okay. The thing for me was I wanted to really get deep and explore and gain clarity in what my definition was. Not somebody else's, but what Matt's definition was. And so that's what I've been working on through my business, right? And my investments, those are the vehicles that kind of allow me to fund my lifestyle. And then really, it's not just talking about it. It's making sure that the audio and the words that are coming out of my mouth are actually aligned and congruent with the video and how I am living my life. And that is ultimately something that I've been working on over the last 10 years of my professional career. Um, my oldest daughter is six. So as a family man, for the last six years and consistently in my marriage and really just trying to become better, you know, 2.0 myself every single day and challenge myself in ways that keep me alive. You know, that's just who I am. I love a challenge. I love chasing something. And so now it's really been, how do I chase the best version of myself um, every single day and become a little bit more dangerous in, in terms of, you know, what tools I put on my tool belt, you know, what mindset I'm approaching and attacking every single day with, and also what kind of value I am giving to others in my career and industry, but also right in my community and just the people that I get to surround myself with. And so that's, for me, been one of my main focuses over these last 10 years is really building and designing my own rich life. And my definition of rich is having rich relationships, personal and professional, uh, the I standing for income and investments. So having a good, strong, solid, stable income stream that allows me to diversify into different investment opportunities. C is community and contribution. So surrounding myself with people who challenge me, who inspire me, who force me to be better, um, but also in turn gives me the opportunity to give back without any expectation in return and then health, mental, physical, spiritual, finding ways to make sure that I'm filling those cups, knowing that without my health, without me being the best version of myself physically, mentally, spiritually, I'm not going to be able to give my best to my career, to my family, to my wife. And so those are the things that really get me fired up right now that I am consistently keeping at the forefront and kind of my North Star that, you know, allows me to navigate the daily landscape. It's uh 
tons, brother, tons in there. I mean, like we could break down like eight podcasts if we go, if we go deep on any one of those areas, you know, so I'm trying to, in my mind, pick which one do we go deep on first, you know, with, uh, and that's why I like to run my podcast a little longer because, uh, I like to go, go deep, you know, and, and I know you're a deep guy yourself. That's why you just had all that to say, because, you know, bringing, you know, from the points I'm trying to highlight, I mean, like, you know, I want to talk about, you know, how mentorship and surrounding yourself with the right people, because that's obviously a big thing for me as well. And, uh, and then all the ways that you, you know, live your life, you know, so maybe let's, uh, let's go to that second. So let's start with the beginning side, you know, uh, I think, you know, my story, like I, you know, I knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur and I started at a young age too, and, and built, you know, an agency that from the outside, everything, it was exactly what you were saying, where the, you know, the, the voice was saying the thing, but the behind the scenes, I was crumbling, you know, like working like crazy, the bigger, when we started working with Apple and Intel, the bigger the companies worked with, the more I was working and I was grinding. And that's why, you know, me, I'm like, that's not cool. I'm going to be, I'm going to work smarter. And so I didn't get a mentor until I was 31. Like that's when I finally, like I had people, like I, I was smart enough to like read some read books and do that, but it never had that group. I guess I'm really curious. And I think a lot of listeners always say is like, how did you, you know, did you just stumble across the people that you ended up finding at that, at, at, at uh, the early age that you're like, oh my gosh, I'm going to surround myself with these people. Or did you actually pursue it? Like how did that mentorship circle happen for you? A little bit of both. It, you know, it doesn't happen on accident. That's for sure. There, there's always, I would say, a purpose and intentionality in everything that I do. Um, and the more I've kind of gotten a little bit older, I've realized, you know, how to kind of connect the dots and play the game a little bit at a higher level in terms of, you know, identifying what the path is that will best suit me getting to the outcome that I desire. And then who are the people in that path that ultimately can align with what I'm looking to accomplish and how I might be able to help and add value to them along the way. But, you know, kind of backing up to give a little bit more context as to where some of those seeds were planted was, again, going back to I was never the fastest, smartest or strongest. So, you know, when I wanted to be the best basketball player on my team, I went and found the people who could help me in high school arm and equip myself to become better skill-wise and mindset-wise on the court. Same thing, my mom started dragging me, fortunately, to entrepreneurial and personal development conferences when I was 12, 13, 14, 15. So she really cultivated this environment of surrounding myself with people who had what I wanted and gave me access through proximity to go and kind of close the gaps and surrounding myself with those individuals. On the contrary, I could say the other side of it, you know, I got expelled from high school. I got arrested in college. And those were also times that I was hanging around other individuals and in environments that were not only infiltrating my mindset, but through the way my ideology was forming, it also led me to take specific actions that got me obviously results that I ultimately did not want. And so when I go back to seeing the audio and the video, um, you know, I'd always told myself I wanted to be successful and I was going to be wealthy and I was going to live this great life and I was going to make a difference in other people's lives. But the audio and what I was telling myself in my mind and also what I was telling other people was not congruent and aligned with the video that 
I was taking in. Oftentimes that came back to, oh, I was hanging around nine people that were smoking pot and we were drinking and we were getting in fights and doing dumb stuff. And I ultimately became the 10th. So I saw at a year early age, the negative aspects of that. And when I had some people speak wisdom into my life and also gave me, you know, the power to understand that I have the ability to change those circles of influence and to change those environments through my decision making and action taking, I realized that, hey, I could also leverage this on the complete other end of the spectrum and find nine millionaires who are living intentionally in their marriages and in their businesses and in their communities and their bank accounts and with their health. And in turn, I can become the 10th as well. And so for me, I, in my early professional career, I knew the value of coaching. I've always had great coaches in my life. And by having those people in my life who I've really given permission to call me out on my BS or to hold me accountable to what I said I was going to do or to challenge me and pull me up to a higher version of myself that they saw in me that maybe I didn't see in myself, I really saw the benefits of that and the fruits of that. And so as I got into my professional journey, I started paying for coaches. I started paying big bucks to go and attend masterminds. And uh, one of my early mentors in my professional journey, um, a mutual friend that I know you know, Brandy, she ended up, she was a big real estate investor running a hedge fund at the time. And so I started kind of working and bringing some value to their organization. And in turn, she introduced me to one of my great friends and mentors, Tim Rode. And Tim Rode is what I call a Hall of Fame human being. He's just one of these individuals that uh, you can't help but be better by being around him. And uh, he introduced me to a mastermind group called Go Abundance when I was about 25 years old. I'm 32 now. So I've had guys that ultimately had the reputations, the balance sheets, the businesses, the um, you know contribution pillars, the bucket list yeah. approach to life kind of forming and shaping and molding not only through conversations, but through proximity and being around those individuals, what kind of person I became. And so I know people say your network is your net worth. And it has become a very cliched statement. And at the same time, it's one of the most true statements I think I could ever, yep. you know, point to and say, that's that if there was a law, that's that's true. Because by being around those people, not only has it created more financial abundance and opportunity in my life. But more importantly, it's the intangible things that don't necessarily show up in your bank account or on your balance sheet. But I'm a much more purposeful and present husband. I'm much more passionate and connected to my children. I am that much more engaged and just the overall awareness of my life every single day. And so for me, that a lot of that came from mentors. And those are individuals, obviously, that we all have around us. Whether you read a book, whether you listen to a podcast like this, whether you go to a mastermind event, whether you pay for a coach, there are mentors and people all around you. I remember when I was interviewing Robert Herjavec from Shark Tank on uh, my podcast. And one of the things that really stuck out to me about him was he said, you know, I asked him what one of his favorite pieces of advice that he got early on in his career that still serves him today. And it was from his father on his deathbed. And he said, everybody has something to teach you, but it's nobody's responsibility to give it to you, but your own. And from that point on, it really made me realize like whether it's the grocery grocery clerk at the store, the gas attendant, the you know highest paid CEO in your city, somebody on the street, there's something 
that every human being has in terms of value that can teach me something that will bring and enrich my life in some way, shape, or form. But it's my job to go out and figure out who that is and what that is and actually take it and integrate it and apply it into my own journey. And so from that point forward, you know, I've just been a very curious person. I think naturally in life, I've always been very curious, but I love dissecting why other people are successful or why other people aren't successful or why other people are, you know, very amazing in how they communicate or why this person is an asshole and nobody likes them. Like I'm just very curious about life in general and applying it to my own journey. And, you know, that was something that I didn't do for a very long time in terms of I was doing things for other people and not for myself. And when I really got to a place where I was just the organic mat showing up as who I was at my core, everything began to become an organic reflection of those things. And ultimately, I started to run my own race and not compare it to everybody else's. And it just made every milestone, every step, every day, every challenge, every failure, every win, that much more fulfilling because I knew it was just solely a reflection on me showing up as the best version and organic version of myself. Every conversation, every mentor, every opportunity, every experience, those were all just organic reflections of Matt showing up in the world and taking the actions that I was taking, whether it was good, bad, or indifferent responses, you know, that allowed me to get more connected to my own journey and um, and more confident in who I was. And obviously that's an evolution every single day. Of course. Um, but mentors were really one of the greatest life hacks to getting me to that point in terms of accelerating my growth to, you know, avoiding a lot of the heartaches and mistakes that um, I probably would have made on my own and really just tapping into networks and communities and to, you know, things that have taken probably many people years and sometimes decades to create and through those mentors and through those communities has really created kind of the, you know, I call it the barrel of monkeys effect in my life. You know, it gives me the ability that barrel of monkeys, right? One that has an arm up, up, one has an arm down. I know that I'm always going to be looking for that next person that can help me go a little bit higher. But in turn, um, it's also given me an opportunity to always be pulling people up along the way with me. And those were things that just little tiny things in life that I wasn't necessarily thinking about that mentors and surrounding myself with the right people has gifted me. It, it makes it's so it makes so sense. And each of our stories are so different. Like just before this, I was mentioning how and thanks for sharing all this, because I think these are the things that people need to hear when they when they wonder, you know, what's going on in their life or how do they get ahead faster? And, you know, ha having this, you know, like even in school, they tell us, you know, not to copy, right? You know, like it's even taught, you know, let's not, uh, that's cheating, right? Now, plagiarism, right? We're not going to go take a book and rewrite it and put our name on it. Obviously, you know, that's somebody else's words specifically, but modeling after someone else is so smart. And so like, you know, it's, it's sad that in school we're taught not to copy and, you know, it, but being completely original, there's some definite opportunities and perks to that. But over stability, there are people that have already built foundations. And why would we want to reinvent that? And, you know, like for me, I, um, I don't regret what happened because I think it led to my teaching. Like I know that those first 12 years of my entrepreneurial career, I had to have that, that hard, hard time. I mean, you know, like for me, like I, you know, like you said, everything happens for a reason. 
And I had like many people that I would ask, but I never, you know, bit the bullet and actually had a mentor. And just in contrast, just to highlight what you're saying in such a short form is that I lost over $4 million in my twenties. And at 31, I felt like a complete loser. I was like, I'm an idiot. You know, I'm in Silicon Valley. So I'm watching all some of my friends win big too. And, you know, I, 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 I didn't, I was, you know, I had, and then at 31, I met my mentor. And when I first was sitting with him, he said, how many 20-year-olds can lose $4 million? And I was like, how many? And I was like, oh, you know, so I started, I had, that's why my thing is choose gratitude, Matt, because that's where the moment of gratitude finally sunk in for me. And I, uh, I was like, oh yeah, there's so much for me that I learned and I'm still young. And I was able to, you know, learn from that. And then I invested uh, over a half a million dollars in my thirties in myself through like what you're talking about. I hired that coach for eight years. I, I did mentorship groups. I went to events, you know, and you're right. That's how we met. I was just in diving into that. And I could even flash back to, I remember being in school, just going back one step. I, I saw some of my friends starting to make some cash and I took notice of that, but they were doing some illegal things to do that. And then it was so uh, great because there was, I could feel like myself being curious about that. And then they got arrested. And then I realized, man, you could build, that's a business. They were building a business. And somehow I realized that. And, you know, kudos to your mom for dragging to those things. I, I can, re- I'm having like all these flashes, you know, it's interesting, but I, uh, I remember my dad signed up for Amway back when, and I'm so grateful he did that. He didn't make any money on that. My dad, uh, my mom and dad always kind of struggle with money. So that's why I think I was attracted to it because I always watched them fight about it. And, uh, but I was the only kid like, cause all the family was there, right? Like cousins, everyone, they're all the kids were playing. I was the only kid that sat in the meeting for the Amway thing. I, cause I was all like, okay, how are we going to make money? And, <laughs> and, uh, that's, you know, that's, uh, I think those little things trigger all this, this, this movement, but it was really coming back to your point. My traction hit where I, cause making millions doesn't mean anything if you don't keep some of it. And the first thing I had I had, oh, it's all about the net across my, and when people came nice. in my office, they're like, are you oh, a big basketball fan? Right. I'm like, no, that's <laughs> my, that net, net. that's my net income brother. <laughs> so it's coming to that. And I love Jim Rohn, right? The five, he said the five people you hang out with are the, uh, the, if you add it all up their net worth and all those things, that would be the average of you. And it's eerie how true that is. And coming to what, what you're saying. And many people said, show me your friends and I'll tell you who you are. <laughs> It's yeah. Yeah. And I think a lot of people too are kind of mystified, right. By like, right. Well, how do, how do I find a mentor? And, you know, I think a very easy kind of framework that I've broken down and created for others that ask me this question all the time is first and foremost, you, you need to make a list of all of the things that you're seeking in a mentor. Like I have certain mentors that are mentors of all aspects of life because I admire every pillar and category of their life and what they've achieved. Then there's other people that, hey, they may just be a ClickFunnels expert, or they may just be a great speaking coach or whatever it is, right? And so have clarity in what are you seeking in terms of that mentor? Because I have a what I call my board of directors. So I've got people that are, you know, board of directors in just specific categories. You know, I may go to them for you know, how to run a business, but I don't really admire the relationship they have with their wife and their kids. So I'm not really going to allow them to mentor or speak wisdom into my life in an area that I don't want those similar results to them. 
So I think it's very important to know and have clarity. In what are you seeking in your mentor? What's their reputation? What does their business look like? What does their lifestyle look like? Whatever are the things that are important to you and what gaps you're looking to close, get clarity in that. Then number two is, all right, create a hit list. Who are the people in your world, whether it's virtual, you know, like a Tony Robbins or somebody that you know locally in your community or in your market, create a hit list of who those people are. Then it's, how do you create an ask? And I think this, this is the biggest area that most people mess up on is like, hey, how do I ask somebody to be my mentor? Is this right. like a formal contract right. that we sign? No, it's not, right? And also... People that are really busy and are really successful, they value and they protect their time. So how do you get little slivers of their time and what I call earn your way into their life? And, you know, the, hey, can I pick your brain or, hey, can I take you out to coffee is not necessarily the best way of going about that. Um, one of the best ways that I like to ask people is, Steve, man, I know you're so busy, brother. I admire and respect what you've done. And there's a goal that I'm looking to achieve and accomplish and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, I kind of give them the little fluff, right? But ultimately, it ends with a, what does it take to earn five minutes of your time? So instead of it being a yes or no answer, like, oh, no, sorry, I can't go to coffee or lunch or no, I don't want you to pick my brain. It's, hey, you know what? I'm really busy this month. But if you circle back with me at the end of next month on this day, let's see if we can get you slotted to get on the calendar for 15 or 20 minutes, right? And then you got to show so up like to, on that you know, thing because like, they're watching you. Exactly. And 99% of the people don't. They're just asking because they want to be served. And they're really not finding ways to bring and deliver value to that individual. And therefore, I like to kind of, and, and good mentors, I was taught this by you know some of my mentors, right? Of like They'll throw in two or three hurdles to see how bad do you really want their time? And 99% of people just want the easy ask, the low hanging fruit of, can you serve me right now? Versus it being, hey, you know what? If he tells me to show up at this day yeah. at this time, I'm going to do it. And then if he tells me, hey, you know what? You got to show up at this day at this time and do X, Y, and Z. All right, I'm going to do it. If that's what it takes to earn the right to have five minutes of that individual's time. So I like to know in their mind's eye, what is that? that's worth it for you to give your value time to me. So that way I'm clear and I can go and show up and execute and really prove to that individual, right, that I'm committed to whatever it takes. And so I think those are some quick little easy steps, right, of finding a way to get in proximity to those people. And then like you said, you got to show up and not just show up one time, show up consistently, right? Because the top performers, the people that are really going to add the most value to your life, one, they protect their own time, but two, they also want to give and invest in people that are committed and willing to do whatever it takes to succeed themselves. And so those are some of the things that I know have served me over time. And another piece that I always kind of like to throw this out there, it's a little bit of an intangible thing. I call it the likability formula. You know, I've, I've been around and... Um, connected to and in conversations and rooms and opportunities that I had zero business being in. And as I've gotten those doors open for me and those opportunities, you know, presented to me, I've, I've taken note, I'm a curious dude. And, you know, so I've asked some of these people like, man, why, why'd you include me in this? Or why are you helping me out? You know, I'm so appreciative. I'm, I'm just curious from your perspective. And I would say nine times out of 10, it's one common answer. And I bet anybody that is this person has heard this in their own life as well as Steve, I just like you, man. I just want to see you succeed. I just want to help you win. Like 
they want to help you because they like you. And so for me, everybody, in my opinion, has the ability to become a little bit more likable with a little bit more purpose and intention. And in my opinion, the likability formula that kind of comes down to at least what I've boiled it down to is if you are humble, number one, if you can check your ego at the door, no matter how successful you are, no matter how many zeros you have in your bank account and how many commas you have in that, right? If you can just be humble and... Well, just to add to that humble real quick, and then I want, these points are beautiful, but you know, one thing I noticed is not, I've noticed some folks, it's not ego like I'm better than you, but, and even I started to notice I did it too when I was younger, you're trying to prove yourself to them and it comes across this ego when it was better to just be like, I don't know how to do this. You know, that whole fake it to your make it thing. Exactly. You have to look at what context you're using that in, but it doesn't work when you're seeking a mentor. You got to be real. Like this is where I'm at. And I lost relationships trying to say, oh, be, not be embarrassed. And you know what? The humbleness is also transparency. Yep. I think I want to add that. Like, you know, if you are willing to be vulnerable, that's the, that's, that's yeah, where, the right that's there. where all that, when you, the, what you're just saying, when people said to me, I really like you, it was the moments that I was vulnerable and I lost mentorship opportunities when I was afraid to be vulnerable. And I thought they were going to think I was a stupid young kid and that didn't work. So I guess just wanted to add that to that humbleness is like, well, and that ties into the second piece. Oh, perfect. <laughs> which, which is a great segue, which is if you can stay humble and vulnerable, right? But you can also show up in confidence as to who you are and what you believe you're capable of. You could be a complete noob in some area or not know something and still be confident in your ability to Learn. close the gap and go and figure it out. So confidence, right, is also a big piece in saying, hey, you know what? Maybe I don't really deserve to be in this room yet because these guys are all worth a hundred million dollars and she's, you know, got this empire and I don't really have none of that. But I'm confident that by being in this room, I am capable of learning all the stuff that they've learned. If I show up in a humble way, I work my butt off, right? And that I can really get those same results too. I've always believed in myself enough to say, I don't care if somebody else is going to bet on me or not, I'm always going to choose to bet on that 10 out of 10 times. And if you really don't believe that as an entrepreneur or just somebody that wants the most rich, happy, fulfilling life, you're never going to get that. You have to bet on yourself. You have to trust and believe that you are capable of unlocking whatever you want if you were willing to put in the discipline and the work consistently over an extended period of time. If you do those things, it's almost impossible not to unlock milestones and make whatever ceiling was you know hanging over your head at one season of your life, the new floor that's just the norm for you. But if you don't believe in that, you don't have that confidence in yourself, you're ultimately going to be in a scarcity and really just on your heels type of mindset mentality for your entire life. So if you can be humble, show up with humility at all times, right? And one of my early mentors always said, hey, never read your own press clippings. I don't care how many deals you do, how much money you make. If you show up humble every single day, if you show up confident, the second piece to that and the third piece of this likability equation is if you are always looking to add value to people around you, if you're humble, confident, and always looking to add value, it just makes you, we all know those people where you're like, man, I really like that Steve guy. Every time I'm around him, he just makes me feel better. And because of X, Y, and Z, right? And so everybody's kind of got their own unique 
you know, skill sets and quirks and aspects to their personality and characteristics to who their identity is. And that's great, right? But if you can tie all of those amazing things about your uniqueness to being humble, confident, and always looking to add value, it's very hard not to like people that are like that. And that will open up a lot of doors and that will create a lot of opportunities to find individuals that go, man, that Matt guy, I like him. Let me invite him onto this call. Let me invite him to this mastermind. Let me, you know, send him this investment opportunity. Let whatever it is, right? If you can be that likable person and show up and execute when it matters, you're going to unlock and create some amazing opportunities that will bring so much richness, not just to your business, but to your life through the people that you surround yourself with. It's 100% true. So let's pause real quick and take a break and we'll be right back. I just want to give a big shout out to Pro Audio Voices. They help me with all of my podcasts and Becky and her team are just amazing. I've known them for years, even before I started my podcast. And that's why she was my go-to because not only does she help me sound great and produces the podcast, so it's easy for me. I can do what I do best. I do the speaking and the interviewing, and then they do all that background work to help get the podcast out there in the right way with the highest quality. But on top of that, what makes it most critical to me, for those of you that know me, wow clients are important, wow relationships are important, and working with Becky and her team is definitely wow. I get an amazing experience, I get to work with amazing people, a lot of love and hugs, let's put it that way. So if you wanna work with great people and you wanna get a podcast out and you wanna let go of all the technology and the way that it's recorded so you can do what you do best, then you definitely wanna get a hold of Pro Audio Voices, and it's proaudiovoices.com and you'll be able to reach Becky and her team and be able to let go of all that stuff so you can do what you do best and then delegate the rest. And I think I want to pick on that confidence word a bit more because I think there's confusion in that, you know, confident in what you're doing. But what I, what I, you know, just hearing you and, and what I know too, is adding all that up, it's like confidence to learn you know, the right to be conference to learn, because that's what gave you, like when you were in those rooms and you're like, I don't, like if we look at all of our, you know, if you look at money or this or that, maybe you weren't at the same level as some of the people in the room. And that's happened to me many times. And that's probably why you and I are where we are, because I was constantly, that's the thing about Jim Rohn also said, when he taught that the the law of the five, he also said, be the smallest of the five. If you can all, because if you're the teacher, it's fine Absolutely. to be a teacher sometimes. But if you're spending your time being the top of the five the whole time, then you're not going to continue to grow. And the reason that gives it the wherewithal yep. and the confidence, going back to that word, is that, hey, I'm okay being the small one in the room. And I know that, hey, maybe if I'm around them long enough, I can be the big one. And then maybe I'll have to go find another room. And I'm I'm lucky. I'm happy. I guess not lucky. I don't, I don't know why that came up, but because I, I really think actually luck is through opportunities are all over. So luck is just showing up. You know, if you show up enough times, your luck is going to go up if you want to even use that word. But ultimately, the reason I wanted to take a couple extra minutes to say, it's not confidence that you know what to do. It's actually confidence that you don't know what to do, but you can learn it. And I think as adults, especially people that are, you know, that are older, and I'm talking about just even out of their 20s or even mid 20s, something happens in our adulthood. Definitely when you get into your 30s plus, I, I meet a lot of folks and they're like, get stuck in the things that they're doing and they forgot how to learn. 
you know, and what I mean by that, they didn't necessarily totally forget how to learn, but what happens is we think we get good. We become an expert at one thing, or maybe you have a career and you're doing this one thing and then you try to do something new and it takes a little bit of time and you're like, Oh, I suck at this. I better stop. And they forgot that they fell down on their bike. They forgot that, you know, who jumps on a bike and yep. pedals right the first time. I'd love to meet that person. If someone could show me the person that got on a bike right. and rode the first time, no one does that. Everyone falls down. I think we have to remind ourselves that we fall down. And then the cool thing about what you're saying, Matt, is that when we can bring ourselves around other people, then guess what? We're going to ride the bike faster because they're going to give us the tips. They're going to tell us those things, but you have to have the confidence that you can learn and not, I think even with, through some of my psychology learnings, not everyone believes they have the right to learn. It's sad. Like I, just as an example, I've been around people and that their parents were such achievers and they're so good that they even made their kids feel stupid. And so they grew up and if they didn't do it perfect, they didn't do it. And that's, that makes a failure to learn because now you're like, if I can't do it the first time, perfect, I'm not going to do it at all. And then you're just totally stalled. And so I guess I want to bring this up because this has popped up actually recently a little bit. And I just want people to understand confidence is not having to have it perfect. It's actually the confidence that you could actually, like you said, and you said this, Matt, just be you and be vulnerable and say, I don't know how to, how to, how to do that yet. Yeah. I I think part of that, right. Confidence and like also courage are key to growth in the sense that if you can be brave enough to suck at something new all over again, because like you said, you know, at the beginning of me becoming a real estate investor, I didn't know anything about real estate investing. And now many people would consider me a real estate expert in terms of the broad stroke of what that word is, right? But then if you move me over into, you know, when I bought my uh, hotel in Lake Tahoe, I, had, totally. I, I was at the bottom of the totem pole in the hospitality learning world because I had no clue how to run a hotel, right? Oh, I'm a great real estate investor, right? That could have prevented me from saying, you know what? I suck at this. I don't know anything new. And I know that I'm capable of learning it. And therefore it's all right. Well, what do I got to do? How do I roll my sleeves up? And what path do I need to take in order to not suck? And then every time it's just that path to learning, right? Where you cross over thresholds and you become a little bit better and a little bit better and a little bit better until you don't suck anymore. And then you get kind of good and then you get great. And then all of a sudden, you know, you've got 10, 20,000 hours of effort and execution into one thing. And now all of a sudden you're quote unquote, that master at it. Right. And so I think if anything, it's just knowing what to suck at. Right. And what things may be better leveraged and or right surrounded by other people in your world that might be able to pick up and do the lift on those things and where you should be doing the lifting yourself, all based on what is most congruent with the goals that you're looking to achieve in your life. Right. Because it can be very easy to get distracted and spend time on doing things that aren't synergistic with the vision that you have for your life. So that's why I'm very big on, you know, why I created the Rich Life Planner. And why I'm big on goal setting and why I'm big on 90 day sprints. Those are all things that help me stay very focused on what my definition of a rich life is. And based on that North Star being what I make all my decisions and say yes to or say no to, it makes your decision tree of life and how you engage and approach every single day 
that much more purposeful and it gives you the ability to be in the driver's seat of your own life going to where you want to go in terms of the destination with both hands on the steering wheel instead of taking detour after detour working on things that ultimately aren't going to get you where you want to go anyway it's it's 100 percent True. And you know, that's why I come back to feelings. And I know a lot of business coaches and all those people out there don't go to that. But you know, I realized, you know, this is where people say, follow your heart. And then a lot of people don't know what that is for me. And it shows up different for everyone. But when you do something and you're willing to like do whatever it takes, like you said, that comes from knowing why, why, why I, when I started studying the human experience and I've gotten deeper into it, I never would have thought that I'd be all in psychology. When I came out of uh, school, I went to film school. If you, Matt, if you would have met me in film school and said, Steve, this is what you'd be doing. I'd be like, you're crazy, you know, to go from film to marketing to then, uh, you know, coming into teaching from some of our marketing campaigns that we won awards with. And then I, but then I, when I was teaching person A and person B, person A ran with it and made the cake if they had the recipe right. And person B blew the cake up in the oven. I'm like, what the heck's going on? So now I've spent over seven years like studying the mind. And uh, it just fascinates me when people, uh, stu- you know, why, why, are there, why are they stumbling? Why are they not allowing themselves these gifts? Like we're talking about the gift to learn or the gift to learn uh, to have these things. And going back to the feelings, the reason I was bringing this up is that we innately know, and if we actually would just trust ourselves, that's where a little bit of instinct comes of what we actually want. Because I find when I see people like completely, uh, you know, distracted, there, there's a couple reasons. Like one, they're actually self-sabotaging and there might be some family history of that. The other is coming back kind of what I was I wanted to make a point of is that they're on the wrong path. You know, and I did yep. this, like I, I, uh, you know, that no pain, no gain did not serve me. Now I'm not saying, I'm not disagreeing that there's, there's, that there is not growth and pain. There is, you can have pain and there's a lot of growth and I've definitely had those moments, but you don't have to do that. There's a lot of growth when it's not painful. Like we're even talking about, you get a mentor and it's like not as painful. Now there's going to be bumps, but, but when you feel inside yourself that you're doing what you want to do, then any path to get there will be, uh, will do. And actually you can then find the smarter path. And I find that, um, if you know, if you know inside yourself what you want, if people continually get distracted, a lot of times I find they're actually not wanting this thing. They actually need to redirect their energy because then it just starts to flow. And I think we restrict our own feelings and we get confused. And I definitely did because I had these people that I, they weren't mentors, but there were people I would watch and they're like, you got to do this. And it wasn't for me. And I, I did it and it hurt. And then I was like, oh, it's supposed to hurt. And I like went longer. So I guess I just wanted to give permission for people to like, actually, and going back to you, like your journaling and the things that you create, write down actually what you do want and then be okay with how you get there. Because I think that's where I messed up in my younger years. I was like, okay, I planned out this whole thing. And then I was like, and then when that road didn't work, I'm like, oh shit. And I would like try to plow through further when I really, it's okay to take another road. There's always another way. Um, And so I just wanted to add that into this. And this is brilliant, Matt. Like, I mean, these are the things that create the nuts and bolts for us uh, to, to, to have what we want. So I think, you know, you have to ask yourself, you're really struggling. Do you really want this? (laughs) Cause you know, then, then if that's there, then it doesn't matter how we get there. And there's probably a million ways. And how many times did you bump up against the wall? I'm sure. And I have so many times. Every day. Right? Every every day. There's always going to be physical and mental hurdles, you know, on on every path. And I I think ultimately, you know, people, 
there, I mean, there's so many things that I think prevent people from, and me included, right, yeah. from getting what we ultimately think we are deserving and capable of in our life. I would say the one thing that um, has really changed the game for me is just how I engage with fear. You know, fear is is always going to be there, especially if you're somebody that has big goals and big dreams and big aspirations, and you're pushing the envelope of what you maybe have previously done. If all you did was listen to, you know, the mind, uh, the the voice in your own head or other people of saying, "Well, you've never done that before, so why the hell would you think you can do that?" Right? Or all of these fears of what is that person going to say, or what if I lose this, or whatever it may be. For me, over the last few years, it really has been changing the conversation I have with myself. Really, when fear comes up, now fear is not something that really holds me back. If anything, fear now, what I've anchored it in in my own mind is this call to adventure that I'm going to learn something yep. and it's going to teach me something. As long as there ain't you know a rhino sitting in front of me that's going to impale me with his tusk or you know somebody's got a gun pointed to my head, like real fear of physical harm and me dying, I, I, I look at this going, man, this is something, something exciting is going to happen here, right? And I'm either going to win or I'm going to learn and find some way to throw another tool on my life's tool belt that I know if and when I cross this bridge again, I'm totally equipped to do what I need to do to, to get through it. And, you know, I think we can all relate to that in some capacity, right? Where there's something that you've done in your life that scared the shit out of you. You did it anyways. You looked back. You kind of felt your pulse, all right? I'm, you know, I still got a pulse. My heart's still beating. Like my wife still loves me. My kids still think I'm the coolest dude on the planet. Okay, like I'm okay. And that fear overcome over and over and over and over as you start engaging and running towards the fear in life, then that overcome really starts to compound into more and more confidence. And so when you have a few of those stepping stones in your life, whether it's in your professional journey or it's in a personal relationship, or it's with your health, right? When you're challenging yourself, and you're pushing into the fear, and then you actually get through it, no matter what the outcome was, and you still realize that you're capable, then it becomes, all right, well, next time that shows up, I know exactly how I might engage with that. And for me, that's something that I'm constantly, honestly, trying to keep my awareness up around is going, hey, what's what's got your heart pumping right now? Like, what's got your hands feeling a little bit sweaty. Like what gets you a little bit nervous? And as long as it's something that isn't going to be potentially catastrophic to your life or to your business or to your relationships or your health, those are the things that you should be looking out for. Yeah. And then that's where the growth is. So like our, my values that there's five of them, but it's gratitude. And then the number two is growth. All of life is, is learning. And the, you know, fear is going into the the unknown, right? It's the worrying about the future. And, you know, one thing I've also learned in all of my seekings is that the point of most power is right now. And so being present has helped me with that fear because if you worry about the future, now it doesn't mean not to plan. It's not at a zero, but if I'm putting all my mind into the what ifs, then I'm not living now. And if I regret or like, you know, so bummed out about where I was at 31, how many things I was beating myself up at when I was able to let go of that and be present to, wow, look at all that stuff you did and look at all the opportunity of the future. Now, what am I going to do right now? 
And I often say one of my favorite sayings that all, like a lot of my clients want me to make a t-shirt of, which we're going to finally start putting out some more merch uh, next year. We, um, is called success doesn't always feel normal. And I think that's where, and even, uh, Matt, I don't know if, if I told you this before, but as I've studied the mind more, you know, once you get past age seven, our brain actually has a mechanism to shut down things because it actually, the brain takes more of everything, more energy. It's like more blood, more oxygen, everything. So it actually has an efficiency mechanism to, to truncate learning. So before seven, your mind is full open, like learning, like you're, and think about how many things you messed up and just kept going. And then, and then we move into this, uh, into the later years and it's only seven. We only get seven years of that approximately, you know? Uh, so then after that, the rest of it goes back to training your mind to allow yourself to learn because it really doesn't want to, when you reach for that next thing and, and that's the frontal cortex, this is what makes uh, being human confusing. The back of the brain, they call in psychology, the reptilian brain. It doesn't want to mess with anything. It's like, we're alive. And then you reach for another million dollars or you reach for more time with your family or any of those things that you don't have yet. And then your brain's like, dude, we're, we're alive. Like, uh, sit the hell down. Like we're good, you know, yeah. like we're, and then you're like, no, I'm not. And then all these alarms go off in your brain. It's trying to pull you back. And so it's reprogramming that, like what you just said, like you anchor that in your mind, you're reprogramming. And I guess just putting that out there today with everything that we said, I guess it couple brings this conversation together is allow yourself to, to do that. If you really want that, know that your brain is tricking you. Like, so that's why the logic center of the way that the brain, there's still old parts of our brain that do not serve us. And we oh, yeah. do have choice in having more comfort and that unknown many wise uh, men and women before us and, and many after us and what we're doing right now know that it's just unknown. And even some of the indigenous tribes have known this for so long. I've, I've sat with some indigenous people and they, you know, the first thing they want their, their kids to know before they turn into adults to, um, they say, you cannot live until you die. That's a saying that one told me. And he said, this means that if you don't, uh, stop fearing death, you cannot live. And so that's the first fear they want their kids to overcome. And so by the time they're teenagers, they want them to not be afraid of dying. And then if you can uh, overcome that, then you can overcome any other fear is their thinking. And it works. They're doing whatever they want and living the life in fullest because this is this thing that we have in this body and whatever years we get on this planet why would we not uh, uh, push on that to have that life? And that's where that whole comfort zone fear comes in. But I guess I just wanted to add to that some of the things that I don't, uh, since you and I last talked, I've gone deeper on some of these things. And it's like, oh shit, that's why that happens because it actually the brain is kind of designed to mess with you that way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I, I love that too, because, you know, in some of the work, spiritual work I've done on myself and some of the ceremonies and retreats that I've done, that was early on in my, you know, mid to late twenties, one of my biggest fears, which was dying. And ultimately when I really processed and worked through that, I can't tell you how much more abundant and freeing my life is. And in my opinion, how much more intentional and purposeful I'm living my life now, my, my goal really. And I think you know, when people ask me, you know, what, what would be your definition of success? What are, you know, what are you striving for? And, um, I know a lot of people, 
because I have the podcast, uh, Millionaire Mindcast, and I talk about becoming a millionaire that they think it's all money driven. And for me, it, it has absolutely nothing to do with money in terms of success. Yes, I want to achieve big things. I want to build big businesses. I want to have a big real estate empire. All those things are amazing and exciting. And that ultimately as a builder is something that gets me up every single day. But ultimately, if I were to be on my deathbed and look in a rear view mirror and just see my life play out behind me, I just want to be able to say one thing. And that one sentence would be, damn, that was a hell of a ride. Not, oh man, I'm so happy I have a hundred million dollar net worth or I'm so happy that you know I achieved these things. It would truly be an accumulation of life experiences with the people that I care about the most in terms of also being able to make an impact along the way going, damn, that was a hell of a ride. And ultimately, that's what I try and do every day is just show up in a way that I know nine times out of 10, I left all, I left it all on the floor that day. And so whether I get my, you know, if I get called today, or if I get called, you know, when I'm 110, I just want to be able to say, damn, that was a hell of a ride. And being able to play full out for the people that not only for your, you know, for the people that matter most, but most importantly, in my opinion, we should be more selfish and playing full out for ourselves. Like there's nothing wrong with being selfish because if your cup is full and you're the happiest and you're the most purposeful and you're the most intentional, there's going to be this overflow. And it also gives you more volume to go and pour as much as you need to into other people when it's needed most. And I see so many people walking around with, you know, quarter full cups uh, because they have it a little bit backwards, in my opinion. And I think people should be serving themselves first. And don't get me wrong, I still serve others, still do. Well, yeah, well, you got to put it in that order. That's the confusing, uh, confusing part is that people think, oh, but if you give everything to everyone else, your cup is empty. How are you going to quench the thirst of the next person? And so one of my teachers, Carl Bukite, he says, it's service to self, then service to others, and then service to life itself, like, and the mm, greater okay. thing, because- you, if you, if you don't, if you, how can you give if you have nothing to give, right? If you, if you're completely selfless by the definition, then that means you're giving to everyone else. And you look at the the folks that have that, it can't go very long until they're needing desperate help because they have nothing yep. left, right? So it, it, if you really, truly want to serve others, you must serve yourself. Yeah. And that's tough. You know, and that requires some some discipline when you want to go and do some of those other things, maybe for other people, you know, just, just remember that you deserve it equally as much, um, especially if you're of that mentality as kind of a natural default, right? So I think- I have, we have like all the a few minutes left and I did have one other question I wanted to ask yeah. you, but I have to bring this quick metaphor. Think of it as a boat. You know, if you have a boat and has holes in it and you start inviting people over because you're going to help them get across the waterway, but you have holes in it and then now they're getting buckets and they're trying to get the water off and you may sink the whole boat. Now you sunk it for everyone and now everyone is at risk. You've got to fix your boat first before you invite others in. You've got to fix your boat first, you know? So my last question, and I, like I said at the very beginning, we could have multiple podcasts. I'm sure, <laughs> right? I'm sure you're going to be a part two. We'll have you on the, on the show again. But so with all this said, and you being a family man, how, what's the best piece of advice? Like the one thing we can leave as a kicker here for the end of giving somebody that's out there, they're active, they're building their abundance, but they also want that family life. What would you say? How do you keep that in check? How do you create that space for both 
to have these dreams and aspirations of abundance while having the family? How do you do both at the same time? What's the one, I know there's probably more than one, but what's one big thing you could give right now? Yeah. I mean, there's, there's two okay. tangible tactical things that I know people can do that I would share with them. And that's going to be core values and what I call relationship recharge. To, to kind of preface all of this, I would say, make sure that your priorities in your calendar are actually aligned. You know, I see a lot of people that say, oh, I, I'm doing this for my family, but really their family is not prioritized in any capacity whatsoever. So if people try and get a hold of me on the weekend, good luck because that is bulletproof. It is a bunker. I've built a bunker around all of the time that my family says they need for me. Not what I think they need for me. I ask them, what do they need for me? Because then I know exactly how I need to show up for them. A lot of people just assume what others need from them without even asking it. I mean, for example, my wife and I do a relationship recharge every Sunday. And it's really three simple questions. It's about 15 to 20 minutes. And this is our weekly check-in. And it's, what did I do well this week? What could I have done better? And what do you have coming up this week that I can support you in? Those three answers, instead of me assuming what I did well in our relationship to serve her, instead of me assuming what I can do better, instead of me assuming where she needs my help, I'm giving her the platform to give that to me. And then I can go, being an executor, show up in those ways. Same thing with your kids. You can do it with friends, family members, but that is just kind of a recalibration every single week. It's so simple. It's so easy. It's very quick and it holds a lot of weight in allowing you to double down on what's working or to course correct on what's not. The other piece that I would say in terms of what has really been a big difference for me and my family is us creating our, our, our family core values together and really detailing out what are those things? What is the DNA of our family? What do we want to use as kind of our moral compass and our you know, framework for allowing ourselves to show up in the best way for each other and also what we want to bring to the world? And so it's funny because you know, I'll just give you one of our family core values, which is respect. We treat ourselves and others with love, kindness, and respect. And my kids, Marie and I, were having a little disagreement the other night and we're arguing and my, uh, my youngest goes, dad, dad, you're not talking with kindness and respect, right? And so it's these amazing kind of frameworks that give my kids an operating system on how to cultivate characteristics and qualities in them that we want to instill and we want to empower them to go out and become the best versions of themselves, but also to hold us all accountable totally. yeah. to showing up in our ecosystem and our family unit in what we say is important to us and how we want to show up. So the core values were great because it allows us to really reward and acknowledge on the things that they're doing well. It also allows us to kind of discipline and course correct when we're out of alignment with those things and who we say we are as a family unit. And so the core values was huge. The relationship recharge is huge. And ultimately just making sure that the areas that are most important to build a moat around or to build a bunker around, like, again, you know, if there are certain times of the day and there are certain days of the week that you would not be able to get a hold of me if you wanted to, unless it was an absolute emergency, because I've built, you know, the bunker. I'm not going to get sniped out of my bunker when I've told myself everything that is important right now is in this bunker. So really, there's nothing that 
matters. And I want my kids and, you know, my wife to feel that. And I try, again, I'm not the, you know, I'm not a hundred percent all the time, but I would say by, by creating some bumpers around that bowling alley of life, right? It allows me to consistently knock down pins and put up points on the scoreboard. It, it, it makes so much sense. And just, you know, I love the idea of just, you know, and I'm a big fan of this. Don't try to read minds, you know, ask questions, ask questions of your wife, ask questions of your kids. Even at a young age, you'll be surprised what they come back with, what they want. Oh, yeah. And uh, because, you know, and that's the thing too, don't treat our kids like little babies all the time. You know, yes, when they're younger, they have a lot to learn, but they have a mind too, and they can bring a lot. And like you said, they can stop a fight and make us laugh at the dinner table. And yep. you know, the thing I have to, and and we really are out of time. So I'll have to wrap this up, but I, <laughs> I, 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 I'm going to end with this one story because it goes right on point with your whole thing of build, building that bunker. I once was meditating and my intention for this meditation was to find more balance with my family. And so, and I, I kid you know, it's one of the only times I can think of that I can remember that I actually laughed out loud in a meditation. So I'm meditating and I asked mm-hmm. myself, I'm like, how can I have more time with my family? And then loud and clear, it came so fast. It's like, schedule it. And I was like, Oh, I started laughing out loud. I'm like, of course it's like, duh. You know, you put it on your calendar and people say, well, if you love them, why do you have to put them on your calendar? That's the exact opposite. If you care about anything, put it on your calendar. If you want it in your life, put it on your calendar. If you don't have it on your calendar, it's not real. It's not going to happen. So yeah, it's uh, I I love it. And I love the questions. I love uh, it's always, every time and I can't remember, you know how many podcasts you and I could have had every time we have a conversation, it should have been recorded because it's always, I, we've had, it's had some pretty damn good conversations. It, I will say that it's, it's amazing. So I'm so grateful to have you on the show. I'm so, oh, it's uh, an honor, man. thank you. It, it's been amazing watching you grow over the years, brother. And I can't wait to see where the next five years take you, man. It's like, like, so I'm looking in your rear mirror too. Like, dang, that was good. <laughs> yeah. I'm excited for the next five and 10. That's for sure. Congratulations, brother. Thanks again for being on the show. Thanks for listening to the More Business, More Life podcast. I hope you got value. And if you did, we have so many more things for you at stevenopleton.com. You'll be able to connect with us on social media. We are active. You can ask us questions. And then on top of that, I want to give you a really big gift. And it truly is. We want to give so much value. We have an offering. It's a program called Clear Path to Customers. It's the same way that we attract wow clients and only working with the right people, the people we want to. And it's transformed my business into millions more in revenue with the right people and my clients. And we're doing it absolutely free. So you can go to stevenopleton.com and grab that. You just got to put in your information. We'll send it to you promptly. And that again is on stevenopleton.com. I look forward to having you on the next show. Until then, remember, choose gratitude and create freedom. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.